Good morning. I am your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the October 23, 2018 edition of Ask a Leader. 14 days, folks, till the midterm elections. Polls are open for early voting in 31 states, plus Washington, D.C. Registration closed yesterday in California, but if you happen to miss that deadline, you can vote provisionally on the election day, registering voting the same day. And your provisional ballot will be tallied later in that week of November 6th. Last night, I talked to two surveys, federal, and one was for city offices. And you can, folks, you can ask these survey takers about whether or not they're registered. Anyway, the second surveyor taker told me that he wasn't registered. At the end of the call, I asked him why it's important to vote, and his answer was, and I quote him, I don't know. <laughs> Today, we're continuing local at election coverage that is with the Irvine City Council candidates. Today's first guest will be Carrie O'Malley, Irvine Transportation Commissioner. In the second segment, Jackie Woods will be on. Lee Sun will be a podcast, however not live, and I'm still waiting to hear back from Anthony Nicole in order to include him in the season's coverage. All remaining Ask a Leader coverage will be exclusively, as I said, Irvine City candidates, and some of those that you won't hear are going to be, have already been on. We'll be right back after a station break. Thank you for staying tuned with us, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today on Ask a Leader, we continue our coverage of Irvine City Council candidates for the midterm elections in just two weeks. I remind listeners as well that in this election cycle, two seats are open, 12 candidates are running for city council slots there. My first guest is Carrie O'Malley. A little bit about her. She was raised in Southern California, and she completed two degrees in philosophy, law, and society at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and her law degree at Harvard University. She then served as a court-appointed special advocate, which led her to the public policy path. She served with the California Attorney General Office and with the Committee on Governmental Affairs under U.S. Senator for California for a couple of years, John Seymour. She was a field representative and legislative analyst for California State Assembly member Gary Miller as senior governmental relations representative at the OCTA, a senior policy advisor to a member of the Orange County Board of Supervisors. It might be Lisa Bartlett, but I don't know. Lisa Bartlett's endorsing her, so I'm just going to guess at that. And as also, she's been an alternate on the transportation corridor agencies in Orange County. She serves as the vice president of her homeowners association, as well as a chair of the Irvine Taxpayers Association, a member of the Junior League of Longstanding of Orange County. And she's currently, her day job is with State Representative Stephen Choi. Carrie O'Malley's endorsements include State Senator Pat Bates, Orange County Taxpayers Association PAC, the California Women's Leadership Association PAC, and the Republican Party of Orange County. She's lived in Irvine 20 years, and she comes to us today from Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Carrie O'Malley. Thank you. So glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you on because I don't know that very many of my listeners will ever get a chance to hear you. So I want to start like I am with all of the candidates, Ms. O'Malley. For many years, Irvine has established 
and been known for its unique and visionary institution building. For you, what stands out as something worthy of building upon? Thank you so much, Claudia. I think in Irvine, we are known for innovation. It's amazing the educational opportunities that exist here in our city, from everything from the grade school, the elementary schools, on up to the universities, as you know, with being there at UCI. We are so blessed to have this as a bastion for education, our city as a bastion for innovation, technology. So many companies have moved to Irvine and have located in Irvine. Um, so we are just so blessed as a city to thrive and to have so many opportunities, both for our students, our residents, and our employees and employers. Well, I understand there are those are public institutions around the city. What I was thinking of is what the city hall, those institutions that it's been responsible for building, what you see uh, that stands out to you and what you would like to build on, what the city itself, the council, the chamber has done in the past. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, as you know, I'm running for the first time for city council. I have been an Irvine Transportation Commissioner. I am vice chair of the Irvine Transportation Commission, and um, I do have a lengthy background in transportation and public safety. Um, but as far as technology, we're doing quite a bit transportation-wise in the city, and starting at the Transportation Commission level, we're a new commission as of May of 2017, and we've initiated some very innovative technologies such as signal synchronization that you will be seeing throughout the city take come to fruition in about six months. It came to us um, several months back at the commission level, was approved, then went on to the council and was approved. And now there's work being done with Caltrans and other entities to bring that to fruition. So that's um, innovation in action in our city that we're very pleased to have. And you will be seeing that it will better the city, it will better the commuters, it will better the residents as far as, as far as getting to and from their destinations within the city. Um, in addition, we have our transportation um, area in the city where it's very innovative. They have a whole transportation department where they can see in live time certain intersections and how um, that is all coming together, how um, vehicles, if there's a little bit of backup or traffic at certain intersections, they're able to see that in live time um, from our city transportation department, and that is innovation in action. Well, uh, you're serving as a vice chair, of course, of the Transportation Commission, appointed by the mayor, Don Wagner. And all the survey questions I've been getting for the local candidates, uh, the surveys I've been taking on, if I'm taking all of them, folks, it's really, I really recommend it. It's very instructional. It's, a, it's more two-way than you think. So I've been getting a lot of traffic questions, and I'm, I want to look at in the situation where the national leadership addressing the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. The national leadership is not present at this time. And looking at transportation, there's two, there's two facets that I'd like to have you talk about, is whether how you're giving incentives in your modeling of transit systems, incentives to zero carbon modes, including everybody knows on this show how much I like bikes. So uh, what kinds of incentives are you giving to those zero carbon modes of transit? You know, I'm so glad you asked that, Claudia. I'm a huge proponent as well as what we call ATP, Active Transportation Program. I worked for many years at the OCTA and then many years with the Board of Supervisors doing many of the transportation items. 
And active transportation, if you come to my commission meetings, you'll see I, I, I talk about this often at the commission. And we there are many items that come before us as a commission, which have to do with our bike you know, trails, our hiking trails, our, our um, basically, it's a whole connectivity that we have here in Irvine. And we are so blessed as a city to have the trails that we do. Um, everything connecting, and, and if it's not connecting, we're working hard to, to bridge those connections. We just had an item that came before us at the commission with the Jeffrey Open Space Trail. So we're constantly trying to approve, improve upon the already excellent trail system we have in Irvine, both for folks that want to bike to and from work, walkers, hikers. I'm a long-distance runner, so I, yes. you know, I'm on those trails all the time throughout the city. Um, but I am with you completely, Claudia, that we really need to focus in on the active transportation, and we're so blessed as a city to have that connectivity that we do um, as far as those options. I'm also looking in terms of what leaders can do to raise the profile of these zero-carbon modes. If we can, if there's any kind of leadership sort of vision you have for raising that profile so that it's not just on the the trails um, because and I'm a big proponent of the trails because it gets us away from people using their cell phones on the road (laughs) banging on absolutely but uh, but 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 kind of profile to raise (laughs) on the actual surface streets for people to know that bikes are here among other there's going to be more and more uh, zero modes there how would you see incorporating that into the transportation plan I'm glad you asked that, Claudia. Um, as far as other options, there are certain options we I'd like to work with and I'd like to champion when I get on the city council. And one of them is the OCTA Flex program. And this is just being talked about. I've been at legislative meetings where they've introduced it over the last few months. And they are piloting this program in South Orange County right now in certain cities. The OCTA Flex program, um, it will be you know looked at, piloted in other cities. If successful, which I have a, a good feeling that this will be a very successful program, I would like to champion that for our city here in Irvine. What that is, it's a minivan, an eight-person minivan. It operates very much like an Uber. Um, folks will get an app on their phone, and for a set price per day, they would be able to, at least the way it's being piloted, is for a set price per day, they would be able to utilize that mode of transportation to and from everything from getting across, you know, one side of Irvine to the other, whether that's to a doctor's appointment, to a work meeting, to a, a class at UCI. And um, it will really get folks out of their cars and into, you know, sharing sharing the roads with this eight-person minivan um, and, and really utilizing, you know, getting folks out of their cars and, and, and being able to bring that to the city as a public transportation option that's very usable and very user-friendly. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm excited to champion that for the city of Irvine. Well, a lot of people around, just no matter where we go, they talk about the congestion and the, the, the price, the transportation sort of pressures, uh, traffic issues around the city. And as you know, and I know, that the driver of this is the the sort the land use patterns around the city. What do you see as your leadership in incentivizing uh, developers to incorporate smart transportation mechanisms associated with the development order that you're approving? 
and having your planning commissioner approve. Absolutely. And I can only speak for the Transportation Commission and what's come before us and, and, you know, myself as a Transportation Commissioner. But we have many items that come before us, and a lot of them have to do with access, let's say. And if we're looking at, we looked recently uh, several months back at a couple different options um, that applicants were coming in the IBC for um, looking at a, a development, a, an apartments in the IBC, and it was um, looking at two different uh, possibilities. One had better access. One had two driveways. One had better access as far as the connectivity to the certain streets and, and getting in and out of that, um, that area. So we really do look at things like that. We look at access issues. We look at um, placement and access. And that all comes to us and, and how that will affect the traffic patterns. And, and there are very uh, technical studies that come before us. Um, by, by folks that do tech, very technical transportation and traffic-related studies. So I really do vet those with a fine-tooth comb. I'm known for analyzing those deeply and really looking at these, these items as they come to us to say how will they affect the traffic patterns. Um, you know, this may not be a good idea. Maybe we should do, you know, A might, may not be a good idea. Maybe we do B or X may not be good. Maybe we do Y or maybe we do a hybrid and we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and we, I offer an alternative motion. So um, we're constantly analyzing and looking to see how certain um, items would affect traffic patterns in and around the city. So for those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader, and my guest is Carrie Amali, attorney and Irvine Transportation Commission Vice Chair. She's running for one of the two seats now open on the Irvine City Council. Let's move on. There's a lot of other uh, elements to talk about. I hope we can get most of them in. The hot housing market in Irvine is squeezing middle-income households like of ice. So what measures have you in mind to address this? And, and Claudia, I don't mean to, to um, interject here, but I am not an attorney. My bio does not state that I am not an attorney, so I just wanted to correct that for the record. All right. Train, okay, with the JD anyway. Okay. And, and I, my bio does not state that either. I have law school education, but I, yeah, I wanted to correct that for the record. Well, my that's bio fine. Does not state well, JD we're yet. not, there's nobody deposing anybody on this show. Okay. <laughs> So about the hot housing market, what do you offer to approach the, the kind of the niveaus of housing market choices for a broader demographic in Irvine? You know, that's a great question, Claudia. So, you know, we are blessed to have um, affordable housing throughout our city, and we do it very well. We're known for that. Um, 15% of new development is designated to affordable housing, and few cities have that. We are, like I said, we are very blessed as a city to offer uh, such, such items and really trying to work with our communities and, and work with folks that, that want to move to Irvine, that are working in Irvine, and may want to live in Irvine as well. Um, so we have several options. Um, I know in the IBC there's some mixed-use development where, you know, folks can actually work and live in the same general area throughout the city. There's a, many, many affordable housing options. Like I said, 15% is designated, and um, that is something that our city is very proud of. Um, not many cities do have that, so I am just so proud that we do offer that. So a couple of weeks ago, I had on uh, Jennifer Coe, an, an immigration attorney, and we talked about SB 54, an item that you're a 
appointing city council uh, mayor uh, Wagner has twice placed on the city council agenda. He's appointed you, as I mentioned, to the Transportation Committee. I'd like to know how you'd weigh in on this measure. How would you handle this were you serving on the council? Carrie O'Malley. Thank you for asking. You know, I would I oppose SB 54 um, legislation that limits the city's ability to govern itself is, is of concern to me. Um, SB 54, the way that it's written, it takes away local control from cities, and it does strip our public safety department from being able to work within its parameters. Um, there does need to be a process, you know, in place, and, and I do feel that that is the case, but SB 54 is not the answer, and it, it I do oppose it. I think, with due respect, taking away local control sounds like a pretty broad brush to, um, to uh, approach that. I think there's more nuance, and I think some of the people that have testified before the city council introduced a great deal of nuance to that. Would you like to sort of give us a little more nuance about how you would break down where you see the actual local control going away? Like I said, we need to back our police department. We need to allow them to do their jobs and to perceive as well as uh, we are the 13th year in a row. We've been designated the safest city of our size. Um, this is of, you know, just great importance to our city that we are able to state that we are the safest city of our size. Um, I'm a local mom. I'm a 20-year Irvine resident and homeowner and public safety policy professional with, with decades of experience. So I've analyzed, you know, many, many public safety items. Um, but I basically am opposed to the to SB 54, and I feel that as it's currently written, it would make Irvine less safe. Um, we need to protect families. We need to pr protect individuals in our city. And I don't believe we should experiment with public safety vsb 54 so how would it make irvine less safe how exactly would that operationalize like i said when you take away local control it you are opening a can of worms i know this from my decades of experience in public policy um, local control is key when you start taking that away like i said it chips away one thing leads to another leads to another we need to protect our base, our local control, and our police department. Um, our police obviously are doing a wonderful job. We are so blessed by the Irvine Police Department. They have done a fantastic job protecting our communities, our city. And like I said, we have been designated now 13 years in a row, the safest city, which is a blessing. Like I said, we are not looking to experiment with, with anything. And SB 54 opens a can of worms. I am very much into local control and really making sure that we protect that local control and feel that we need to get behind our police department and give them the tools that they need, the resources that they need to continue protecting our city in the amazing way that they've done for decades. Well, on to another topic. Over the primary, Irvine residents spoke although it was admittedly a non-binding measure, the, the constituents spoke 63%, affirming the original plans that uh, a good deal of resources and time and public uh, interaction were given to the original plan for the Veterans Cemetery. What is your position on Measure B? Thank you, Claudia. I'm so glad you asked. My commission did not exist 
when Measure B, or, or before they even became Measure B, when the cemetery issue was coming through the pipeline at the city, through the commission to the city council, my commission, the Transportation Commission, is a new commission that Mayor Don Wagner brought back to the city after it had been defunct for 30 years. Um, he brought it back, and it's so well, you know, so much needed, and I'm so pleased and honored to be serving as a Transportation Commissioner. Um, we became um, initiated in May of 2017. Therefore, the item never came before us. I have no vote on this issue because prior to becoming Measure B, the cemetery item never came to our commission. Um, but as you relate just now, um, the cemetery issue became Measure B, and it was voted on, and the majority of Irvine voters spoke. Um, since I have not, uh, I do not have a public position, and I do not have a public vote on the cemetery, um, it will be coming to my commission on November 20th, and it will be looked at for a couple different items, which is the golf, proposed golf course site versus the artist site or the original site. Um, like I said, when it comes before me, we vet things with a fine-tooth comb. I, I, in particular, analyze these traffic studies. Um, I, I don't leave any one page unturned. I read it through and through, and I'm embracing that and looking forward to taking a look at those items coming before me as a transportation commissioner. Um, prior to that, like I said, I did not public, publicly go on record either for or against Measure B, um, I was actually working on Measure C, and as Irvine Taxpayer Association Chair, I was doing a lot of heavy lifting on Measure C, which, as you probably recall, passed by 76% of the vote, and it makes it much harder for the Irvine City Council to pass any new tax or to increase any tax. It now requires four out of five votes of the City Council rather than what it was before, which was three out of five votes. So we were very pleased to have that passed by just a huge majority of the voters back in June. And like I said, I was focused on Measure C. And now that, now that the veteran cemetery issue will be coming before me um, as a transportation commissioner, I will bet that on November 20th and then again when I'm at the council as a council member. One, um, an, an interesting other aspect of city governance and, and leadership that came to my mind with an, a recent uh, public radio interview with a, an academic, Eric Klinenberg, uh, talking about social infrastructure and how it has a, there's security features with social infrastructure, places where people can congregate in a civil emergency, but it also has a sort of standard of or a quality of life well standard of living too a quality of life aspect in it's it there those are places they create social infrastructure cohesion in the community and i wanted to know if you have any sort of ideas about where you would want to build social infrastructure in irvine thank you claudia i think that we have we're so blessed to be such a large city, you know, 275,000 plus residents. We have so many different cultures and such diversity and just wonderful, wonderful arenas that we can all congregate and come together. Um, I, I'm just so blessed to be here in Irvine for 22 years. Um, and I agree with you. It, it's so important that we congregate, that we have meeting places, that we are able to have you know, festivals and, and different arenas where we can congregate and have city opportunities. Um, 
I was just recently at the Global Village Festival. I was so honored to be there as a commissioner. And just seeing those types of events and ability to congregate warms my heart. So I would encourage that as a city we continue to have these types of ability to um, come together as a city and others that want to come to our city and celebrate or meet. Um, it's wonderful that we've offered those options time and time again. Um, and, and again, I can historically point to many, many festivals, many folks coming together to congregate and um, you know, really hope that this continues to, to grow and continue to have these options throughout the years. So in, as we're drawing down in our time over these last two weeks, what are some upcoming events where listeners can meet with you, Carrie O'Malley? Thank you so much for asking. Um, yes, I will be having many meet and greets, and I do. I will be posting those on my Facebook. We just had one last week. We had one the week before. We've had about uh, probably a couple per week. So please stay tuned to my Facebook for the upcoming dates and times of those upcoming events. Um, very eager to meet with the constituents. I've been doing so for several months now. And like I said, every week we have at least one, sometimes two coffees and meet and greets. So please, I would urge everybody to go on my Facebook and take a look, and we will be posting as to, as to locations. Well, what I, I like to ask, and I guess we can, this does tack on with this last question. When, when you're now, and we're gonna, we're not gonna let you talk about transportation. That's a, that's part stump talk and that's part calling. So, but we, and we've covered that uh, reasonably pretty well. And but, what have you learned when you've been out, let's say, in a whole new canvassing area? What what you've learned from constituents about what are some concerns of theirs? I'm so sorry you cut out. Can you say that again? I wanted to know what you have learned from constituents are concerns of theirs apart. We're setting aside transportation issues. And what are in other arenas concerns of Irvine residents? I'm so glad you asked, Claudia, because like you said, that we've talked about the cemetery. We've talked about transportation. We talked about many of the issues. You brought up housing. Many of these issues come up. I've been walking precincts for over you know, two, three months now, knocking on doors, talking to residents out there every day. Um, so these are typically the, the questions that I am getting. You know, another thing is just as, a, as it, fiscal soundness is what I talk about on my website as well, as Irvine Taxpayer Association chair. You know, people want to make sure that their taxes are going to be used, you know, wisely and waste not, want not. So really looking for sound fiscal policy that has come up. Um, and also pre preserving and protecting the master plan. I mean, this is huge for me. This is why I chose to run at this time. I felt that our city's at a crossroads and that I have been protecting the open space time and time again on my commission and doing a lot of heavy lifting to make sure we preserve and protect the master plan of Irvine and that we stay within the master plan and, and really do protect those, those gems of Irvine, those treasures of Irvine, the open space that we have um, here that is protected under the master plan. And I would encourage people to go to my website, which is www.carryforirvine.com, and really read up on those issues that, you're, that you touched upon, that I've touched upon, that are very near and dear to the residents of Irvine and the Irvine voters. Well, Carrie O'Malley, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Ask a Leader today. Thank you for having me, Claudia. It's been my pleasure. My guest was Carrie O'Malley. She is an Irvine Transportation Commission Vice Chair, running for one of the two seats open on Irvine City Council. We'll be right back 
with Jackie Woods, another candidate for Vine City Council. Be right back. Don't go well. That's a track on Naphtali's Dream, and it's sitting in some train watching the Tuscan landscape go by, speeding backwards. It's uh, that, well, the backward part isn't the emphasis. It's just, it's the transit idea we're trying to keep. Thank you for joining me for the second half of this show. Today, uh, my second guest is running also for Irvine City Council. She's Jackie Woods, real estate broker with Seven Gables. She's served as vice chair of Grievance Committee, presiding judge of professional standards as an arbitrator on professional standards committee of the Pacific West Association of Realtors. She's previously a security consultant at West Tech, sales director at the Upper Crest Event Planning, and holds credentials for mediation and arbitration training for the courts. She's been involved over the last 20 years in community emergency response team, some people call it CERT, CERT operations, and is a member of the Irvine Disaster Emergency Communications as a ham radio technician. She served on many homeowners association boards and had organized neighborhood watch and emergency preparatory expositions. Jackie Woods is a FEMA-endorsed certified trauma intervention specialist and a proponent of earthquake disaster preparedness and crime intervention specialist. So she received an education at Marion College and Taipei American School in Taiwan and in a life-led living and visiting over 30 countries. When I've tried to count how many I've been, I've 30 is getting up there. As for her endorsements, I'm going to ask her a little bit about that so everybody can sort of plot all these dots with all the candidates. And I'll, uh, she'll, she's running on a slate with mayoral candidate Ed Pope and city council candidate Frank McGill. She's coming to us. Where are you coming to us today from, Jackie? From Irvine in Northwood Point. Okay, Ooh, right down there. So probably sinking in some signs here along the meridian. So welcome to Ask a Leader, Jackie Woods. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. I appreciate this, and thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, well, you're being very gracious. Well, for many years, and I'm asking everybody this, I want to give that kind of leadership quality, that aspect, for all the listeners to hear amidst all of the, the candidates. So for many years, Irvine has established, and it's been known for unique and visionary institution building. And when I say Irvine, I mean the city hall itself. You're 47-year resident of Irvine, so you've known about them over the years. What, Jackie, would, does uh, stand out to you as something worthy of building upon? Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that question. And yes, as a 47-year resident, it was a little hard at the beginning to see what the vision was. But over the decades, the vision has grown. It has um, matured. But in recent years, we've gotten away from the general plan. The general plan really said that each little village was going to be self-contained. People were going to be walkable. They could get to the grocery store and the dentist and the hairdresser and school and recreational activities and as a community, in a community. So every single village did its own thing, 
and and they were unique qualities for each um, village. And unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. You know, when I first moved here, we bought our first house at Walnut and Culver. They were the only houses selling VA, and my husband was a counterintelligence agent in the Marine Corps. So we bought a four-bedroom, two-bath house for 28000 and our friends in apartments said we were crazy to spend that kind of money. They were building in University Park and the ranch for thirty-eight and forty-two thousand dollars, and we we just wondered where these people were getting all this money. But building the villages as they have over the years has just been very unique. It makes um, Irvine the city that it is. We've gotten away from it. We've overbuilt. We're putting in houses and residents, people, cars, traffic. We're putting all that in before we build the infrastructure. So we've had, in recent times, we've had to bus little kids. I mean, the six-year-olds get off a bus at another village in another location, and they kind of get off blinking like, where am I? And, it, and it's, it's, um, it's sad to see because we have not put in the infrastructure first, which is what we really need to do. Get everything ready. Then the people move in, and they've got everything ready, and we just haven't done that. Well, what would be your vision? Let's say you have all the latitude that um, you would need. What would be your vision for an institution you'd like to build either onto or anew? Well, I think that William Pereira had the right idea, and I think when we were following slow growth, that really was the best vision for Irvine. It worked for four decades it can continue to work. We have wandered away from it. We've all but abandoned our general plan. But I think it's critical that we get back to it and build on it the way it was written because I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, there's a better plan than what we had envisioned to begin with. So if we can get back to slow growth, see, for every one unit built, two cars minimum come with it, Three people is the average, and four daily commuter trips. When you figure that we used to have between 1,500 and 2,000 building permits per year, we didn't get out in front of ourselves. We were able to go slow. The infrastructure was put in. The villages were put in place. The people came. They had a lovely place to live. The property values were up. The schools were up. People enjoyed the quality of life that we have known for decades here in Irvine. Because we got away from that, we, at, from 1,500 to 2,000 units, now we're, there, the city council, the present city council, has been granting 4,000 building permit units per year. That's way too much. One unit, two people, two cars, three people, four commuter trips. And when you figure that 4,000 that's a lot of people, and it's overcrowding the, the adjacent shopping centers and the adjacent um, facilities and, and, uh, because they're not built in their own neighborhoods, like busing the schools, the kids out of the, the uh, area to another school till their school is built. That school should have been built before those people moved in. And that's really been the Irvine way to do it that way. And I think that it's critical that we get back to that because the the plan is a good one, 
And if we follow that plan, it's good for everybody. It's good for the residents. It's good for the people that have been here for decades. It's good for the new people, the young, uh, vibrant people coming in. It's good for everybody. And, and we are such a diverse city. We all get to know one another. We get to see other cultures and what they're doing and, and benefit and, and help one another and cooperate. So there are a lot of jurisdictional issues involved, and there's a lot of public finance issues that confound that residential development order approval combined with the the siting of of the schools with the you know Melrose district funding and the annexation of new properties so i i think that's a hugely complicated kind of a well it's our own little gordian knot but um, so i just want to sort of leave that out there for people to consider that it's a, it's it's not an easy one to untangle so what when well, i i've well, talked can i can yes. i just simply say yes you're absolutely right melrose was introduced in 1982 and it really started out because the developers were a little cash strapped so they they funded through bonds the infrastructure and it, it usually went from 20 to 25 years, and that was curbs, gutters, lighting, drainage, school buildings. And it was a, a lot of infrastructure like that that began in the early 80s. And, and some of them now were, you know, have, have matured and have, uh, have gone away. However, in 1998, the ones that were going away, uh, going away right now, um, were the 25-year. But in 2002... West of Culver Drive, um, North Park was built, and some of those houses were built in 2002, and their mellow ruse goes to 2048. And then when Woodbury came up, their mellow ruse, and they didn't put mellow ruse on everything, but they they had a substantial amount of mellow ruse, those mellow mellow ruse um, special assessment fees go to 2060. So it's it's it is very very complicated. Um, when they mature, sometimes they've only been funded at seventy percent. So people can, when they sell their houses, sometimes they can pay them off, which is attractive to the new buyer. But it, it is it's an extremely complex. And who, yeah, it's it's just extremely complex, and it's hard to explain it all at once. All at once. Well, I wanted to let everybody know, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Ask a Leader at KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming on the web at KUCI.org. My guest is Ms. Jackie Woods, real estate broker, running for one of the two seats now open on the Irvine City Council. We've got lots more to talk about, not as much time. We're going to try. This hot housing market in Irvine is squeezing middle income households like advice you know that probably as well as anybody with the prices you're watching and you can see what what the houses sold for before they were being put on the market now so what how do you address offering more a broader range of choices so not just the upper three uh, percent can afford to live in Irvine well I'll tell you uh, it, it's always been my feeling that we buy what we can afford we get pre-qualified. You know, in my day, we went to buy a house, and we put in for it. And three months later, we found out if we got it or not. Um, of course, everything's moving much more rapidly these days. So Kinda. now what we do is people get pre-qualified. They find out what their comfort level is. They may be qualified for a whole lot more, um, a higher house. But 
they, they need to decide what it is that's, that's their comfort level, what they can afford, and buy the best in the best neighborhood that they can afford and do it like everybody else in the world does it. You buy what you can afford, and you stay in it so many years, and then you sell it and move up. And that's, that's what happened with us. You know, my husband came home one day. We rented in Tustin, and he came home one day and said there's a new place called Irvin. <laughs> He was a counterintelligence agent in the Marine Corps, and there's a new place called Irvin, and he says they're selling houses, VA, no money down. And we had a little kid and no money. So we went over and bought that four-bedroom, two-bath house. Principal interest insurance and taxes was $250 a month. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I can't stay home with my child anymore. I'm going to have to go get a real job. So that's what I did. But that, you know, four years later, we sold that house and made $25,000. We were shocked, and we also thought we were rich. And at the time, we were, you know. So we bought that, and we moved up. And we went into College Park, which I think are the best-built houses in all of Irvine. They're laughing plaster. We never had to turn on the air or the heat because the houses were self-contained. I mean, there's so much going on here in Irvine, and, and there's so many things and little details that people don't, they don't know. They come in new. They don't know the history and the fabulous things that, that we offer here in the city. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling, really, and I, I can't believe I'm still here after 47 oh, years. Please. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked with an immigration attorney about Senate Bill 54, an item that Mayor Wagner has twice twice placed on the city council agenda. Jackie Woods, how would you weigh in with the concerns about uh, Mayor Wagner's measure? How would you handle this if you were serving on the city council? Well, SB 54 is a complicated matter. And, and I, my opinion is that we defer and take guidance from our police chief, from our police um, department. My son is LAPD, 25 years. He's a sergeant at LAPD. And, you know, L.A. has very different um, problems with immigration and, and, um, than Irvine does. And I, I think it's a complicated issue just to... You know, like everything else in Irvine, there's a lot to it. There's big nuances. Um, but I think deferring to the Irvine way for what the police chief thinks is, is working the best for Irvine, I, I defer more to that than I'd want to jump on any kind of other bandwagon. Okay. So over uh, the primary, the city spoke Admittedly, it was an, an advisory, it was a non-binding measure, but the, the constituents did speak to the tune of 63%, affirming the original plans for the Veterans Cemetery, I don't know why I say ceremony, and I, I'd like to know how you'd weigh in with that. I mean, you're on a slate that makes measure be a kind of a central line, but how would you weigh in with how the city should proceed? Well, what our goal is, what, what the number one, what the plan was, originally planned, approved, and funded at the artist site of Irvine Boulevard years ago. It was all put in place. The, um, I keep hearing city council members and, and different members of the public that are not informed about it claim that the taxpayers shouldn't be paying this. 
the taxpayers aren't paying it. The taxpayers were never paying for the Veterans Memorial Park and Cemetery. There is a fund 180, and when the um, uh, when the what is that called? Um, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm my my cat jumped up in my lap, and it totally <laughs> made me lose my train of thought. Um, the fund 180 from the redevelopment agency closures in the state of California has. We have right now 45 million. We will get up to 300 million from the state, and the beginning of the um, building, the demo and building of the um, great uh, the uh, veterans memorial and, and cemetery comes out of that fund. Sharon Cork Silva also pledged 30 million, and between the two, that those funds were to build the artist site. Um, we were all ready to go. We went to City Hall over a year ago, and it was mentioned that, oh, I don't think we're going to build it. I said, what are you talking about? Well, uh, one of the council members said that she was confused, and uh, she had a better site over here that would have been cheaper. We weren't looking for cheaper. You know, when when I said goodbye to my husband in uh, May of 1969, he was shipping out to Vietnam as a Marine. And he didn't say, well, I think this is going to cost too much. Um, He ended up not going to Vietnam because they were pulling back the troops. So he spent 13 months in Okinawa, thank heavens. But um, to say that we want to do it cheaper somewhere else, who are we saving money? We're not saving the taxpayer money because Irvine taxpayers aren't paying it. But we want to build it on the original site that was approved, planned, funded, we want to preserve some of the things like the the, the uh, flight tower. Uh, we have some nice plans for that. Plus, twofold, we want to keep it out of the hands of the developer, Five Point, who wants to get his hands on the land to build it. Around that cemetery, we want to put an urban forest. So it'll just be lovely, and it's a wonderful plan. The veterans deserve it. The um, strawberry fields is less desirable land. It's uh, stuck between two freeways. It's very loud, and it's, it's frankly, uh, not a good spot. So there are two things going on. We ran. We, we were the only ones that stuck our necks out and said no. We got the signatures. We needed 12,000. We got just about 20,000 signatures to put a referendum on the ballot for July 5th. We did all that work. People were behind us. People were fired up. We did get, as you said, Claudia, 63% of the vote. The residents in Irvine have spoken. We said no on Measure B. We don't want to move the cemetery. We don't want to give it to the developer. We want it for ourselves, for our veterans. See, a lot of new people that have come into Irvine, they don't know the history. And we've been sitting here all these years, in, steeped in the history of the, of the Marine Corps base. You know, my husband died nine years ago. We'd certainly like to put his ashes in that cemetery. So Ed Pope, Frank McGill, and I did stick our necks out. We said no on Measure B. Come along with us. We went to several other city council members, that um, city council uh, candidates, and asked them to come along with us, and they wouldn't commit. They said they wouldn't say anything publicly. You can't change history. When they didn't say anything publicly, and certain members we have on record is 
having gone to the city council and, and, and have said yes on Measure B. There are certain people that are running now that did that. And now they're saying, oh, no, they're for Measure B. I think maybe they're trying to siphon off some of the um, people that are backing us because they know that we got out there, we did put our necks out on the line and said this is what we want. See, Ed Pope, Frank McGill, and I have always have all been here over 40 years. We have nothing to lose. We're not, we're not beholden to anybody but the residents. We know what this city was before it got turned around and, and lots of rubber-stamped um, building permits were given. We know what it was like before that, and we want to restore that. We want to honor the general plan for Irvine that has worked so well, and, and the people living here love it. They love what our city had become. Our property values were good. Now what's happened is we've, we've issued too many building plans. We've rubber-stamped. There have been things like um, traffic studies between 12 a.m. and uh, 2, p- 2 a.m., that's not a real traffic study. And when traffic studies show that adjacent 12 um, intersections will be negatively impacted if they build this, the city council has rubber-stamped it and said, okay, we'll build it anyway. It'll be fine. And we all know, we all sit in the traffic. We have low air quality here in Irvine. It's, it's poor because so- of sitting in all this traffic. And I, I, I didn't get a chance to open up the whole transportation aspect, but I, I want to actually go into this social infrastructure question I'm asking everybody because it, it actually has a great deal to do with lots of emergency preparedness that you've been involved with over the decades. So the social infrastructure that a researcher, Eric Klinenberg, has written about, and it's called The Palaces for the People. I still need to get my copy, listeners. That, uh, mm-hmm. that there's a measure of security along with quality of life that comes with social infrastructure. So I guess um, while nobody's thinking about it, you've been working on emergency preparedness. So how would, where, uh, what social infrastructure is in place? What would you want to build on it so that we can meet the needs of some of the preparedness issues that you're familiar with? Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Well, this gives me an opportunity. The CERT program, Community Emergency Response Team, it's FEMA-endorsed. We went to the city. There were five of us, six of us. Frank, Candace, um, Candace Joe. We don't know who Candace uh, is. Uh, there, there, were, there were six of us. Our names are in, <clears throat> excuse me, are in granite over at the Wall of Recognition. Um, we were the first recipients on the wall of recognition for um, community emergency response. We are the first ICERT advisory team, and we brought CERT to the city of Irvine. We worked with the police department. They have been absolutely outstanding, stellar. I can't say enough about the police department and Orange County Fire, who under the um, auspices of the Irvine Police Department have put together such a vibrant program of training the residents in Irvine. I was in class one of CERT, where the police department and the Orange County Fire have instructional meetings. It goes for eight weeks, and we learn so much about emergency preparedness for our families, then for our neighbors, for our neighborhoods, for our village, and for the community. Um, 
we are now in class 70-something, and the Irvine Police Department has gone gangbusters. The program they have developed is so stellar, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, and it, it could make you cry. It's so fabulous. They are training, training, training. We have thousands of people trained now. In Say in the fires in, uh, in, in 2008, the Santiago fire, many of us were called to the, uh, to the base camp at Irvine Park. We um, fed the firefighters. We went from place to place. We, we helped with water. We um, helped the people like we lost 15 wooden structures, homes, in Silverado in a Tribuco Canyon. Um, the wooden structures burned very quickly early in the fires. Um, we helped with the animals um, to house them at Irvine Park. There are so many things, and there are so many talented people in Irvine that are com- committed to the CERT program, who have been involved with it with us for all of these decades. We have had so many different expos. We had one a few years ago in my own neighborhood where police fire, we had food trucks, we had um, um, fire extinguisher refills. We had all kinds of of pop-ups, and the CERT people came. We talk about gas shutoff and water shutoff, and the basic things that you need to know. in my own neighborhood, I have a retired firefighter who came to my house and organized all my medical supplies. Um, I have the 15 by 30 foot tarps for red, green, yellow, and black, which is uh, Jackie, emergency. Jackie, Woods, oh. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I, I need to draw sorry. down. We I have get been, excited about I it. I understand, but we've got, uh, I'll give you a half a minute to tell us over these last two weeks where are some upcoming events where listeners can meet with you. Well, we have a meet and greet tonight in West Park. Um, Call me or go on my site, voteforwoods.com. Tomorrow night, we have a meet and greet at a private home. Let's see. Today is Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, we have a meet and greet at BJ's, and that's at the corner of Irvine Boulevard and Jamboree to meet all three of us. And Friday night, we have a meet and greet in a private home in Northwood. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and and you can see all this on my website, Uh, we have ice cream socials. Um, We just have a lot going on, and the the support and the outpouring of support has just been tremendous. We are so grateful. You know, Frank McGill is an urban planner. 30 years, we need him. Ed Pope led, he chaired the No on B campaign. So, I, so I'm afraid we've run out of time, and uh, forgive me for speaking over you. It's, uh, no, no, that's but okay. I, Thank I must you close. so much. Jackie Woods, real estate broker in the city of Irvine, and she's running for one of the two slots open on the city council. Thank you so much for being on Ask a Leader today, Jackie Thank Woods. you for having me. Thank I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank thanks you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Well, I'm going to race through some announcements I just can't resist sharing with you today, tonight. Civility in the face of politics you find repugnant. It's going to be a distinguished speaker. It's Constanza, the Princesa from Lohenstein, and it's an, uh, there will be a discussion afterward. Today it's at um, 7 to 8 at the Social Science Gateway Building, room 1517. You can contact 
Marilu Dom or Sylvia Lotito on the campus. And when folks, when you're, when you're not out canvassing and calling for the elections, take a break at the Claire Trevor School of the Arts open house this Thursday. It's going from 5.30 to 8. All right. So yesterday, California's registration to vote closed, but you can still uh, get people up and participating voting. The provisional ballot, we said, is possible to be used for the same day registration on November 6th. So, uh, and repeat every step you do like this with 10 more of 10 other of your closest friends. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, I'll have on the Irvine City Council candidates, Frank McGill and Kev Abizajian. Look for Lee Sun's podcast on my Ask a Leader website later this week. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.